So, you know, the one that I've talked about in the past is the idea of, you know, a tripwire as something that's, a, you know, so that, you know, I always wondered, like, why would you want to blow up your best customers, <laughs> your best potential customers? And if you think about it, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get someone to come into my universe. But if I blow them up, it's not going to work. It, they, they can't buy if they're dead. I mean, it was just so obvious. Welcome to the Innovative Founder, the show where entrepreneurs get real. These are the raw, the gut-wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode. Now, here's your hairless hosts, Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd. Hey, everybody. Brandon Bob here, Innovative Founder. How's everyone doing, Bob? What's going on in your world? Catch me up. It's great. I, I am really excited about our show today. The fact that we are able to get one of our mentors on and... Uh, one of the first guests we invited on this show is real important for you and I to have Brian Kurtz on. And uh, we talk a lot on this podcast about being a good human being. You know, if you don't, well, you probably don't know us well yet if you're just uh, new to the show, but Brandon and I are high off the chart empaths. <laughs> yes. And uh, so we feel deeper than, than, than some people and, you know, everyone's got their superpower, right? Being an empath is both like a fantastic superpower, but it's also like kryptonite. But Brian is one of the guys that we have we we have gotten to know. Uh, we we've sat down and had meals with them, and he's just a really genuine guy. Now, the fact that he's been in direct marketing for forty years. Um, knows everybody who has been in this business and who is now in this business. Uh, he's kind of this bridge between this kind of old school direct marketing and new school. The fact that he is relevant in both, I think is amazing. Yeah. And it's just one of the reasons that we want to have him on. And he's got way more stories than we could ever pack into an hour. But I, I think one of the things that we're hoping to do with this show and what we do in our business is we're trying to make the world a better place. There's so much negativity. We're trying to not contribute to that. We're trying to contribute positivity. We're, we're both giving people, we, we like giving our time. We like giving our money. We like, you know, we, we do a lot of those things because that's who we are. And we're just trying to set example for our kids, for our listeners, whatever, but there's so many people that are takers and Brian talks a lot about takers in this episode. I, I really yeah. love that kind of visual that he gave. Like, I, I don't want to be known as a taker, Brandon. I, I want to yeah. be known as a giver. Yeah. And I think there's in, in the history of direct response and marketing and internet marketing, uh, the wild west, guys like Brian can be easily, maybe subtly disregarded at times because he's sure. not as sexy and loud and, doesn't use a lot of the gimmicks that a lot right. of people can come to the space, but man, that guy is a foundation. He is a foundation in this space and has wisdom for, for the entire industry. And it's yeah. like he talks about today is that he has this sticking power and he, and he talks about how he's left money on the table, but he sleeps better at night yeah. and he has a reputation that he's got a million people that will defend him and show up for him. 
because he he gives more than his fair share. He does over deliver. So I'm so excited about this episode. Yeah, I think if you are new in the world of entrepreneurship and you are seeking like, you know, how do I want to be? Certainly, we we encourage you to be yourself. And if part of yourself is to be giving, to be humble, uh, but also to be like hardworking and diligent and paying attention to details, I think that's going to really, really inspire you this this uh, this story today. Uh, Brian, Brian Kurtz, he's he describes himself Brian, as a serial direct marketer and, you know, four decades plus in the industry. I think that's probably a good thing. He was part of an iconic uh, direct marketing company called Boardroom. Now, I don't know how many millions of books they sold, Brandon. Like, right. Uh, I mean, millions, uh, right? Millions. Yeah, he referenced millions. So Yeah. So, I mean, he, he talks about a couple promotions that did millions just alone. And um, this was a newsletter and, and book company. And so it's just really fascinating to hear how they how they worked. And we hear a little bit about that in this episode. Uh, Brian's written a couple of great books over deliver uh, is the one that he's most known for. And really what you wanted to do is you, you want to get on this list, BrianKurtz.net. Uh, he writes a blog post every week, sometimes two doesn't inundate you with offers. He generally just shares really good knowledge with you. Um, if he's got something to share, he says he puts it in the PS. He is not out to generate and hawk things. He is out to serve and, according to his book title, over deliver to his online family. So we would certainly encourage you to do that. But at this time, we would love to introduce you to our friend and mentor, the OG, Mr. Brian Kurtz. So I'm, I'm really glad you recorded that intro for me, Bob, because um, if I if I didn't make it, to the interview, you'd have something as my eulogy. So that would have, that would have worked. <laughs> <laughs> that, that voice you hear folks, welcome to uh, innovative founders is Mr. Brian Kurtz, who is a great friend of ours, just well-respected direct marketer, but even a more respected human being. So Brian, welcome to the show. You know, being a, yeah, I mean, being a more respected direct marketer than a human being would not be what I'd be looking for. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, you know, being, being a respected human is definitely one of my goals. So um, I, if I've achieved that with you guys, that you want me on this podcast, I'm, I'm all in, man. I'm all we in. We want you here. Yeah. And yeah. my wording was intentional, Brian, because you know, you've been around even longer than Brandon and I, that there's quite a few charlatans walking around in our industry and in an industry that has maybe some black and blue, you know, some, some warts, you, you're a guy that really tries to go against that. And that's one of the reasons we wanted you on because you are a good human and that's what you teach all your Titans. Yeah. I think also that, you know, one of the things that it's interesting, you know, when, when, when you've been in the business as long as I have, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna wave my finger at anybody. I'm not gonna tell you to get off my lawn. I'm not gonna lecture anybody. Um, but the thing, the thing that I think about is like you know, every time everybody says you know, oh, there's more charlatans today than there were. No way. I mean, no. I, I could tell you stories of charlatans in the 1980s and 90s that will make your hair go on uh, stick on end. But I think what's happened today is that it's easier. To be a charlatan because it's cheaper to, to market. It's cheaper mm. to, to get your name out there. It's 
basically it's this internet thing, which I think is going to catch on. Yeah, it might. <laughs> We're hoping. It might. It We're might. crossing our fingers. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it, you know, every, every era has its, it, not just charlatans, every era has its, you know, white hats and black hats. And then you have the people that, did they cross the line? Do they cross the line? And the line is different for everybody. Yeah. So I don't even know how to define, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting myself down to say this. I don't even know how to define what a good human being is because the good, there are good human beings who think they're a good human being and on the outside, they're not. And, mm. but, but marketing practices are, they're fluid, you know, they're, and, and they were in the, in the, in the eighties and nineties, we were doing direct mail boardroom. The company I ran was always looked at as this, you know, shining city on the Hill, you know, with, you know, great content, great books, great newsletters, great promotion, best copywriters, best list selection, segmentation, everything, best database marketers. And meanwhile, you know, we had AGs up, up our ass on, on occasion about our offers, which were not illegal, but AGs. they were looking for some graph from us. Or, you know, you've got situations where, you know, the, that, you know, we, we, we would do fascinations in our, in our promotions and say, you know, uh, use, you know, eat carrots to cure cancer. And there was a study that's, you know, reduced cancer in, 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 you know, carrot eating, but you know, I, this stuff I wasn't proud of. And so we were a company that was considered one of the white hats, good guys. And yet, you know, to, to a certain AG in a certain state that I won't mention, we were like the worst of the worst. Mm. So I, I always find that fascinating in every era. And you guys have been through it. I mean, you guys, you guys are in the, in the Facebook wars and the, and the AdWords wars and all of yeah. that. And it's, it gets dicey even with good guys. What's well, an AG, Brian? Attor sorry, Attorney General, Brian. Attorney General, original gangster. That's how I refer to Brian. Yeah, well, I that's guess an AG, would be, AG okay. would be an alternative. AG would be an alternative gangster. <laughs> <laughs> when when anybody a calls me, the two things when people, the two things when people call me, there are two things people call me that I always like stop and say, "Oh, thank you." One is if they call me an OG. Like being an OG to me is like awesome because yes. it it it's like I, I wear it like a badge of honor and it yes. doesn't happen that often. But when people call me an OG, I always thank them profusely. And then when people <laughs> call me a ment their mentor, that's like the that's like the pinnacle for me because mm. if you know if people might not know me on this podcast, but you guys know me as someone who always reveres not just the past, not for nostalgia, but I revere the people that I've learned from, the people that I stand on the shoulders of. And so if I'm, and, and my mentors, I talk about them all the time. Yeah. And if anybody ever calls me their mentor, that's like, that's, that's gold standard for me. Mm. So I don't know if that's relevant to this, to this interview, but it's like, that's who I am. It's like, if I can achieve being a mentor to somebody or being an OG to somebody, which is a different form of a mentor, I've, I feel like I've done, my work is done here kind of thing, you know? That's pretty good because we hear a lot of athletes today, Brian, that are like, I don't want to be a role model. I, I don't want to be anybody's, you know, I don't want to be anybody's standard, but um, you seem to embrace it. Yeah. I don't know if um, I think there's a, there's a line between role model and mentor. Cause I don't think I want to be anybody's role model. I mean, if, if they want me as a role model, that's good. I mean, that's fine. Mm -hmm. I would tell them to go find someone else that would be better, but you know, but as a mentor in a certain category, 
you know, if if I when when I wrote my book Over Deliver, I wrote about a lot of concepts that I didn't invent. Mm. However, yeah. and and that's that's true for everybody. We we don't we, none of us invent things, but we repurpose them and we teach them and we uh, bring them out for people. And the the best we can do on a concept like RFM. So RFM is a concept that everybody knows in direct in direct response, recency, frequency, monetary. It's a it's not even a rule of thumb. It's a way you know humans behave in the marketplace. Basically, it's a natural law. Natural law. Yeah, absolutely. Not a rule of thumb. And so when when I when someone writes to me, gets over deliver, and I I spell out, I do a and I did it for you in your Facebook guide. In fact, you did, I took absolutely. my blog post and I I did a chapter on RFM because that's why it came to my mind when I was looking at you guys. Yeah. And but I I didn't invent it. But what I did was if someone says, you know what, I've heard of this term and you gave me clarity on it. You were the messenger for me on this very important, not rule of thumb, but natural law, natural law that again, my work is done here. You know, I don't have to take credit for it, but I get credit for being the guy that brought it to you so you can use it and and adapt it. I'm, I'm, I'm full with that. I, I'm, I, I, that fills me up a lot. And that's, you know, that's who I am. I'm not just a nice guy. I'm a guy that really wants to, it's, it's the Jay Abraham thing. If you, if you've done it, you have a responsibility to teach it. Mm. So I've done it. I've learned it. I'll teach it. I'll learn it again. If there's some new aspect to it. And it's just great when someone acknowledges it, that's just always, that's always that, that that's what keeps me going. That's great. Now, the real it. question, Brian, is are you happy that you became a marketer or would you have rather been a film critic? You know, there were three choices. There wasn't <laughs> just the film critic. There was there was becoming a, an English professor, college English professor, which I I almost I, I was offered a position at Idaho State University in Pocatello, Idaho, when I graduated college. There's the film critic because I was a film critic for my school, my college newspaper. I was uh -huh. always a film buff and I applied to NYU film school and I got in and then didn't go, by the way, I didn't go to Pocatello, Idaho. <laughs> and then the third thing that was also a possible career path was becoming an umpire, major league umpire. Oh, wow. And I applied to the two schools, the Wendell Stat school and the Evans school that you have to go to, to get on track to be a major league umpire. And so I didn't do that either. So <laughs> When you ask the question, would I rather have done any of those three things than become a marketer? I can't say because I didn't become any of those three things. However, what I will say as what's the title of this podcast? Innovative founder? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So as an innovative founder that founded a, a, a direct marketing education company and then worked with the founder of one of the iconic direct marketing publishing companies in boardroom, I can safely say that I innovated into something that not just became my job, but became my life's work and my life's love. So in that respect, the answer is no, I would not have rather become a film critic. Now, <laughs> what I've done though, and I, I, I give this to everybody, like especially younger folks who are just starting out or early in their careers, and they feel like they're giving up the dream of something to do this whatever this is. I mean, I'm glad I didn't do it to become a lawyer or an accountant because I didn't want to do that. Right. And I was almost forced into it by my parents. But 
the thing that that's interesting is that you can incorporate all of your passions into everything you do. And I'll give you a quick example. So have I incorporated being a film critic into my work? Absolutely. Because I, I, um, I write critically all the time in my blog. I write, I write, I create content. I, I'm a, I'm a writer. So I'm a writer. And so I'm not writing about movies all the time, but I, I use movies in my blog. I did a whole blog about Quentin Tarantino recently about how, you know, he's a great copywriter and I worked that in, into my work in terms of not going to Pocatello, Idaho to be an English professor. It's, it's about teaching, you know, if you've done it, you teach it. And so I'm teaching. In fact, two, two years after I graduated college and started in direct marketing, I hooked up with the Direct Marketing Educational Foundation, and I made it my 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 mission to get on every panel I could where they were speaking to recent uh, college seniors going into direct marketing. And I was only two years in, so I hadn't done anything. So <laughs> I was gonna, but I but I knew I knew in my mind that I was gonna do this because this was really I was jazzed after two years, really okay. jazzed after two years. And so I want to give them an opportunity to hear about careers in direct marketing. So I was two years out and I was teaching that early and the umpiring, I'm still doing it. I, after this podcast, I'm going to be umpiring a, a Connecticut district tournament, little league game, home plate, 530 tonight. I'm calling balls and strikes. So, yeah, nice. Nice. But you and you and I both have uh well we have that connection. You, you're you, basketball, you, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm a basketball coach. So we, we we're both running arguably successful companies, but then we have this low paying part-time gig that, uh, we're very proud of and, uh, take a lot of abuse for, but you know, it's very, it's very fulfilling. I take but. a lot. I, the, the, the officials take a lot more abuse. The coaches take the abuse from, from the, you know, the, Just the parents, and the parents, but yeah. the parents, the parents and, and the coaches abuse on umpires and referees is a lot worse. Can you have not, you, not for me because I haven't missed a call since 1987. That's true. Right. I, other I'm wondering, what if you carry your book on you and say, Do you know who I am? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and they'd say, yeah, just, uh, I'm the original gangster. Do not <laughs> question my calls. <laughs> not happening. Not, not going to happen. That's not going to carry over. All right. I, well, I love, so it, let's just baseball, one baseball story, Brian. I love. Uh, if you obviously, if you're seeing these video clips, you can see Brian's background. If you've been on a call with Brian, he's got the movie posters, but we're just seeing the bottom legs of a baseball player. And usually we are able to see it, Brian, who who's behind you and what's the story behind that one. Yeah. So that is, let me see if I can do my, no, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't, I, 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 I don't have that flexible screen anymore. Oh, that's no, okay. let's, oh, wait, that's wait, good. Wait, here we go. Oh, there yeah, you go. There, there we go. go. So, so that's, that's Mariana Rivera. And Mariana Rivera, for those of you who don't know, is the best closer of all time. What's hmm. a closer? If you don't follow baseball, for Brandon, explain guy, a brand. Yeah, yeah. Baseball's a little round ball. They whip yeah, it. Yeah, it's a round. It's a smaller yeah. round ball. Than Drink basketball. a lot of beer when you watch. Okay, I get it. And yeah. a hot dog. Hot dog. So Mariana Rivera is the best closer. The closer of all time. It means he's a pitcher, so he pitches the baseball to a batter, and. He is the guy that has to get the last three outs of every game when their team is ahead. So it's basically, and the last three outs are, as, are the hardest to get because the other team's trying to come back. They're trying to get at you. And Marion Rivera is the best at that of all time. And the beauty of Marion Rivera is a lot of elements to it. And there's a lot of business elements to it. I've written about him 
in my blog as it pertains to direct marketing and business. The, the first about Mariana Rivera is that, that competition is coexistence. And what I mean by that is that Mariana Rivera was the best, he, he, he was the best closer of all time and he had one pitch. Most, most, most pitchers have like three or four pitches, basketball, right. curveball, slider, right. a knuckleball, whatever. He had one pitch. It was a cut fastball that looked like it was going to be a strike until the last minute, and then it just dropped. And it was unhittable most of his career. I mean, wow. he has the most amazing character. He has more, more saves than anybody, which is the, 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 the counting stat for, say, for a closer. But he also has amazing stats uh, in, the, in the postseason, meaning under the highest pressure, under the highest. Right. And he did it with one pitch. So, and not only that, he was always willing to teach that pitch to any other <laughs> pitcher that asked him. And so he would, he would be at, you know, before the game, he'd be warming up out in the outfield, shagging fly balls. And one of the pitchers from the other team would say, you know, can you show me how you throw it? And he would always share it. And I always thought about that. And that's true in business too. It's like, you know, the idea of keeping secrets to yourself it's not going to make you better. Mm. Sharing your secrets is going to make you better. First of all, it's going to make someone else better. And they get, they ever get better than you. They've just raised the bar for you to get even better than them. And that's the way Mary, he was so competitive and yet so giving at the same time. Wow. And he, that, that, that's, and he also was a man of charity. He, he used to, he was from Panama. Right. He used to go back in the off season and build fields and schools for, kids so they be more players coming from panama in the future and he, the funny thing was when he came into a game they played enter sandman by metallica hard rock <laughs> and if you if you if you knew mariana rivera he was a deeply religious man and after <laughs> his career he got into the hall of fame he's the first he's the first player to ever be voted into the hall of fame unanimously wow yeah which is weird because you think babe ruth would get in unanimously and Lou Gehrig and Nobody got it because there's always some writer that wouldn't vote for them, you know, just yeah. for spite. Right, Everybody right. voted for Mary. He was the first one that ever got in unanimously. And so they had this video of him getting congratulated by Metallica. And the announcer <laughs> says, and Metallica loved him and he loved Metallica for doing the song, you know, for the song. And Enter Sandman is the perfect song for a, for a closer. It's like, he's putting you to sleep. Yeah. He's putting you out basically. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so he, the the, the the guy who was in the interview said, so so uh, do you like hard rock, uh, Mariano? And he said, frankly, you know, if, if I was going to choose a song, it would be a it would be a hymn, a church hymn. So he's like, <laughs> it was it was so he's just so down to earth and such a, a wonderful human. But it's the, it's that competition is coexistence thing that always floored me about him. And and so and and the, and the funny thing is, in New York, I'm in the New York area. Uh, you, you have to be a Met fan. There are two teams, Mets and Yankees. You have to be a Met fan or a Yankee fan. Mariano Rivera was a Yankee. I'm a Met fan. <laughs> and if you're a Met fan, you're supposed to hate Yankees. Yankees hate Mets. But <laughs> Mariano Rivera suspended that for me. He uh, he was the best. And and you know what? In business, you know, I remember in here's a story for you. So you know, in the when I got into the business in 1981, the the city on the hill was Reader's Digest. Literally. Okay. Reader's Digest was a magazine in Pleasantville, New York. They were up on this hill. They were actually in Chappaqua, New York, but they took the, Pleasantville was the next town over and Pleasantville sounded better for Reader's Digest. <laughs> it sounds way better. It does. Yeah, right. Yeah. So they got a Pleasantville address. Anyway, 
but it was like this big, um, like almost like this um, brick building, like almost like a, it wasn't a church-like, but it was like this, this amazing building. And they were the kings of database marketing. They did, they did regression modeling when no one else was doing it. And they kept it all to themselves. Like they, they, they wouldn't speak at the direct marketing conferences when I was, this is the early 80s. They wouldn't speak. They, they thought, basically, they, they had the goods and they weren't going to share it. And meanwhile, there were so many other people in the business that might not have had their sophistication at that time, but they had a lot of sophistication and getting better. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's like the difference between I've got mine, you've got yours, let's stay apart versus one plus one equals three. And so they never did that. And, you know, uh, they've gone through, I think, two bankruptcies over time. They, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's the reason that because sure. they didn't share, but you know what? I just don't, I, I, there's, there's so many fewer, there are proprietary things in a business that you never want to share, but there's so few things that are not worth sharing because everything is, is, should be open. You should, I was always an open book. I'm still an open book. I don't yeah. have as much good stuff to share anymore, but <laughs> over, over my career, I've always had stuff that, you know, I would, I had, I had methodologies doing list segmentation, not, not just, just things that I, I developed and learned. And again, well, I didn't invent them. Like I didn't invent RFM. I shared them freely so that other people could be better and bigger and do more with their businesses. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as Bob and I are. We are such a fan of Brian, such a fan of his heart. And as you can see, this is a person who over delivers and has so much value in the direct response space. We want to encourage you to go to Brian Kurtz with a Z dot net and sign up for his blog where he shares his wisdom over decades in this space. Uh, Brian is an amazing human, amazing mentor, and we encourage you to go and listen to what he says and apply it to your business. We love Brian, and let's get back to the show. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rignaris and Brandon Boyd. Well, Brian, I think think most people see you today. I I know you say, I don't have nothing to share, but you've, you've got four decades at least of connections that you've built. And I know a lot of the people that you've worked with have passed on and things like that, but you have this whole, you know, Brandon and I are, are younger than you and you've got people even younger than Brandon and I that like call you their mentor. And you've got this incredible Rolodex and this ability to put people together. You know, when you have events and people reach out to you, you know who to send them to. And I think that's, that's a mark of a really, great human, especially a business person that like their contacts, you know, it's not just what you have in your brain and you share out of your mouth. It's like, who do you know? And I yeah. think the fact that you have so many great relationships is why so many people want to be connected to you. Because if you don't know the answer, you're willing to go, Oh, you don't want to know about Facebook, go call Bob. If you want to know video, go call Brandon. Uh, right. You want to know about, you know, quizzes, go see Ryan Levac. Like you, you know, these people and they know you. And when you make a recommendation, it carries weight. And so that, I mean, that's something you've built in your bank account. Certainly you're, you're not your physical bank account, yeah, but yeah. just like your personal bank account that I think is really something to be proud of. Yeah. I, I call that the relationship capital uh, mm. bank account. Uh, it's a term I got from Jay Abraham, but it's, it's basically, and, and, you know, you, you don't just make deposits into your relationship capital. 
You have right. to contribute first. So, uh, in fact, I was um, I was just doing a, an endorsement for Joe Polish's new book. Who's an he's an amazing connector. If people don't know him, he's writing a book, and the book is titled "What's in It for Them." And I just read the book, and I said, you know, I always I, I, I joke a lot with Joe. I said I call myself the poor man's Joe Polish, but <laughs> but, Joe, but but Joe is like that. Joe is is like I'll, I'll tell you. Here's a funny story. So um, I'm in I'm in the Titans of Direct Response event in 2014. Yeah. I, 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 I hosted this amazing event before I left Boardroom. And I basically it was Marty Edelston, who was the founder of Boardroom, had passed away in 2013. And on his way out, I was going to do this event, a tribute event. And I had the most amazing speakers. What a lineup. And yeah. so two of the two of the speakers were Dan Kennedy and Gary Bensavenga. Dan Kennedy, arguably the best. More direct marketer of the last you know 50 years or one of them gary bensavenga arguably the best copywriter of the last 50 years yeah and so um i'm we, we we held the event and then i was doing a vip dinner for like 50 people at a restaurant close by the the hotel and i'm in a car with in the front seat is dan kennedy and in the back seat is joe polish and gary bensavenga <laughs> so like I don't want to go to dinner. I just like to drive around for four hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what happened was Joe in to the short ride, Joe gets a call on his cell phone, Joe Polish. He picks it up and he starts talking to the guy and starts, you know, connecting and making arrangements. So Dan Kennedy's first reaction is, why does someone think that if they call you on your cell phone that you're going to pick up? <laughs> like because Dan is the opposite. Dan 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 gives, but usually for money, and usually you know he doesn't <laughs> give it away for free. That's just I'm not saying it's yeah. bad. That's who he is. Yeah, and yeah. so so he couldn't understand why Joe would even pick up the phone. But, <laughs> and, and of course, I I thought that too. Only in this situation because he's in the car with Dan Kennedy, Gary Bensavenga, and me. But Joe has this this you know reactionary thing that says someone might need my help, and I might need to contribute to them. And, and that's kind of the philosophy that goes into creating a relationship, relationship capital account that's not just collecting people. And in fact, mm. in my, the endorsement I wrote for Joe is that the idea of networking is a term that I, I find repulsive. Mm. In fact, the last chapter of my book, Over Deliver, I start chapter 10 with, I hate the word networking. The title of the, of the chapter is <laughs> playing the long game. And yeah. it's and the reason why I hate the word networking is it implies glad, glad handing on a superficial level. Right. It implies in its worst in its worst scenario that you're collecting people for exploitation or something mm. like that. And what Joe and I do and many other people do when you're really developing a relationship capital account is that you contribute first and you expect no expectation. You have no expectation of a return on that contribution. And the fact is, you get many more, much more reciprocity, not looking for it. And so that, to me, that's the secret of connecting at a deep level. That's the secret of having a super Rolodex. That's the secret of having a relationship capital that always is having, that, that creates compound interest. Like, it's not just one person, one person, one person. It's one person that leads to two more people that leads to two more people because you're contributing to them. You're contributing to them, to them. They're coming back. It comes back around. And I always believe that if you're contributing to somebody expecting a return, 
I think that's that that's that's needy in my opinion. However, yes. what if you contribute to somebody, you get nothing in return, and then all of a sudden someone else out of nowhere gives you something, sends you something, does something? My belief is that I'm not a I'm not a religious person. I'm not all that spiritual. I am somewhat spiritual, but I'm not I'm not like I'm not woo woo usually. But I do <laughs> believe that you're you're putting so much energy in the world, like the karma that you put out in the world and what you do, it's coming back in multiple directions. Yeah. And, and that's my story. I'm sticking to it kind of thing. You know, it's like, yeah, I love yeah, that, but Brian. I can't prove it, but yeah. it's worked for me over 40 years that there are a lot of people that have taken advantage of me on, on, on a superficial way, but I, I don't, I don't resent them for taking from me a bit and not giving anything in return because I'm not keeping score. In fact, I just did a, um, a blog post. It's like keeping score is overrated. It really mm. is. And I have a whole thing in, in over deliver in my book about the idea of that, that um, in, in give and take by Adam Grant, when he talks about givers, takers, and matchers, like everybody is a giver, a taker, or a matcher. And he talks about in that book that, you know, the, 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 he said, who do you think the most uh, um, successful business people, uh, the most unsuccessful business people are? And you, you think that it would be the takers and it's not, it's the givers because they give too much of themselves and they don't put the oxygen mask on themselves first. Mm. So that, that, so givers are the, are the least successful, the, the, the big givers are, are without, without calculating something are the least successful, the most successful in business. They're also the givers because mm. they give, mm. they give unintentionally, but with, at some point they'll, they'll cut you off if you're, if you go too far. I mean, the idea of being a chump or, or, or a champ, it's <laughs> sure. That's one of the chapters. It's in one the letters. Chump or champ. Right. Yeah. So I think that I'm a big, I'm a big, I, I've studied the idea of giving matching is just not for me matching, you know, reciprocity in the, in the affiliate world, you give to me, I give to you. It has to be in equal amounts. Nah. Yeah. I don't, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm not into that. Yeah, I was going to say what I love about what you're saying, Brian, is the mindset versus scarcity mindset. And over, you know, you're talking about, you know, the um, Reader's Digest scarcity. And you, you know, it's kind of like you've got to pick your poison a little bit here. It's like you can be the taker and you're going to maybe be uber wealthy, but are you going to have quality relationships with people you trust? Probably not. You can be a giver and you're going to risk getting taken advantage of here and there. But much rather be a giver where maybe my my heart on my sleeve and continue to give and take the risk and knowing that over time and the long game, as you say, that people are going to resonate with you. And those people that did take advantage, they're not going to be around long. And I think we've seen that in the last 15, 20 years with the internet marketing space. You know, I kind of kind of call me the you know, marketing narcissist at times where there's people yeah. that love and they get off on draining the wallet you know, with, with all the different levers that direct response can, can have. Yeah. I always say that I'd rather make the mistake, the, 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 uh, the mistake of, of, of over delivering and, and not getting as much back than under delivering and, and being, uh, you know, a scarcity mindset and not, and not really. And, and that's what Joe's book is about. It's really good. It's all about, you know, trust and rapport and, and I, I took it, I, I took it up at a level. I said, Joe, it's about, it's about like fulfillment and love in your life. You know, mm, it's yeah. like, and joy. I mean, not just happiness, joy, which is a more 
you know, a, a, a bigger concept than just being happy. And having joy is, look, you know, people people make up the world and you're going to have to deal with them, even if you're an introvert. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, you got to deal with people and, you know, why not deal with them, you know, with upfront, with an abundance mindset, as you said, Brandon. And uh, I just don't know any other way. So I don't know how to do it any other way. But you know what? I, I, I beat my... But the problem is too with me, I, I beat myself up when I miss an opportunity or I someone's asking me for something and I'm I'm kind of in my own head on something or you know in my for for my own reasons because they're my reasons, but I don't I don't go the extra mile and I say, oh, why did, I was being I was being I was being greedy with, with my time there. Mm. Brian, you, you mentioned a couple of times, I know Brian, uh, Brandon wants to jump in, but you've mentioned writing blog posts. We'd be remiss if we didn't allow you to at least say where people could read the stuff that you're writing every week. Well, I mean, my, my, my book over deliver was not just a, a combination of, of blogs up to 2019, but the blogs created that book basically. But right. my, I, I, um, I have a BrianKurtz.net is my site and you go there, there's a tab for the blog, or you can go briankurtz.net slash blog. And there are blog posts there going back to 2014. There are some reruns. There's even a blog post that's reruns with for reruns with a purpose. <laughs> so I can I can talk about the reruns that I've done in my blog in a blog post. So um, <laughs> but it's reruns and, and I, I'm a big believer in reruns with a purpose because people forget, people you can revise them, you can update them. So that's my excuse for not doing original content every single week. But it is original because I'm still putting it out and I'm paying Infusionsoft to, 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 <laughs> right. to, to send it, right? Yes, to make sure we all know about it. Right, yes. so, but yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of the blog post because it's not it's not a sell, sell, sell blog post. That's my choice. You know, it's right. not, it's I, not. I love folks who want to sell all the time is, I think is fine. It's just, I sell in my PSs. I don't do affiliates, but- when someone like when someone has like when your your Facebook your ultimate guide to Facebook came out, you know I just did a PS. I I sent people to a, whatever link you gave me. I said I'm not getting a commission on this. I happen to have a chapter in the book, so you know I think outside of that chapter, it's a really good book. And that's the humility piece. That's um, it, right? <laughs> um, but but the the interesting thing is that is is that the using the ps to sell and then if someone has something that they want me to sell for them and they're paying an affiliate this is just me now i'm not saying people should do this but if someone has a a thousand dollar course and they want me to sell it and they'll pay me five hundred dollars for every sign up i'll say to them how about this will you sell it for five hundred dollars and basically say that i'm donating my affiliate commission Mm. to my online family i do that all the time and some people don't even want to do that. They think it cheapens their product. It's a digital product, for God's sake. <laughs> how can you keep it? Well, you make well, a you know, Brian, product any there's cheaper? scarcity in those. You know there's only 80 copies of those digital products. Yeah, and- the digital, you cannot get copies of them. It's just brutal. So it's it's just, I, and, and, and more people are taking me up on that concept. And it's great. Even in the Titans Accelerator Mastermind, which you guys are in, my virtual mastermind, that is a group where people have really good stuff that they're selling. We just had one last week. One of the copywriters has a, a, a quick, fast writing system. I'm going to have him come on a call, talk about his system, not to just to sell it, 
And then at the end, he's going to sell it for less the, the, the list price, less the affiliate commission that I'm not taking. Nice. And lovely. I, I just think that that's a way to contribute that is so easy that you don't have to do anybody a favor. You just have to not have to take grab every dollar yeah. that is available. Right. Now, some people need the money more than I do, I guess, or I'm willing to leave some money on the table and that's okay. I, I, I It's okay for people to tell me that I'm making mistakes when I do that. And that's fine. And I don't tell them they're making mistakes when they're maximizing their income, but different strokes for different folks. Yes. Yes. So Brian, a little transition. So let's talk about the world of direct response. So I think, you know, I know for Bob and I, we got attracted to this, whatever, 20 years ago, dating ourselves here, but there's something exciting and hair raising. And, you know, I, th- I think I credit Dan Kennedy and, and, and others for, you know, it's just an exciting world to be in. There is something about creating, you know, a promotion out of thin air and seeing what happens and the cause and effect. So take us back to boardroom and take us back to some stories in boardroom. Maybe that you haven't told, but the impression I get from you, and I love the word that was used regarding boardroom is a, you called it a scrappy company, a scrappy little company. Tell us about that because the perception is, oh my gosh, boardroom. But, but give us, give us something in, in kind of what we were talking about earlier, the, the, the genre, the themes of a thriller or a horror movie. Give us a story. What was it really like behind the doors? Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was, it was a direct marketing factory, not a sweatshop. So it was, it was like um, a, a direct marketing. Marty Edelston, the founder, was a stickler for excellence. I, I think that's a good thing to be. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so he, he wasn't a perfectionist per se, but he was a stickler for excellence. And you know anything that's not excellent is not worth doing. And we, you know, we always, we, we didn't scrimp. I mean, the fact is we didn't make, make huge profits actually at Boardroom. Our profit margins were always very, I mean, it was, it was in the world of, of books and newsletters on paper. So of course the margins are going to be less, you know, than, than digital, but it was also a company that gave, paid the employees well, paid our vendor, our vendors. We, we people say our vendors are our partners, you know, at boardroom, <laughs> we, we walked that walk. We didn't just say it. Our vendors, we were loyal to them. If they were loyal to us, not just on price. They were so not commoditized because of that. They were such specialty for boardroom. So that was one of the secrets to our success. And also the idea of not scrimping on the, mo- the most important element, which, I mean, we didn't scrimp on the list. List is the most important and they had me. So I was doing the list segmentation. <laughs> right. That was good. But we didn't scrimp on the copy and the copywriters. We always paid top dollar and you know, because you get what you pay for there. You don't want to leave that to amateurs. So I, it's not a story, but it basically showed me the power of the copywriter. I was telling a story the other day about, um, I think I've written about it in a blog, about the Book of Secrets, which started as the Book of Checklists. And it was this book that was like even, even like it was shaped like a, like a long checklist. And we thought this would, this would resonate with our audience. They were mail order junkies. They were, you know, just, you know, they, they just the kind of person that would love checklists and the, the, the original promotion bomb, we did, we didn't use the top copywriter. We just thought it would sell itself. 
Nothing sells itself, by the way. Uh, that's a lesson <laughs> that everybody should learn. I'm gonna write that then we down. went to a we changed the title to the Great Book of Inside Knowledge. It did even worse. But then we realized that the, it's the con the content in the book was so good, and we needed a, a world class copywriter to pull out to assemble copy, as Gene Schwartz talks about. And this guy Mel Martin, who was one of our secret weapon copywriters, who wrote in fascinations, bullet points with page numbers. That was. That was not commonplace back then. It was invented wow. by, you know, probably Ralph Ginsburg at one point back in the 60s, and he perfected it, and then Gene Schwartz did it. But Mel Martin had a way to, basically, Marty said he wrote copy that made you vibrate. You know, <laughs> what never to eat on an airplane. How to outwit a mugger in a self-service elevator. Page 43. Yeah. What page it's on. How to... Um, uh, how do you know when a slot machine's ready to pay off? Page 67. Stuff like that would be in the book. And so we did, we took the checklist book, made it a book of secrets, and then pulled the secrets out with fascinations. And the book ended up being one of our best sellers ever. Uh, 25 million pieces mailed, you know, over a million books sold. I think 2 million books sold, 3 million. I don't know. But it was. And it shows the, the, the perseverance toward excellence and not giving up easily. Now, some stuff is worth giving up on, but we knew we had some of the ingredients and you needed to, but it's a three-legged stool. It's list, offer, creative, you know, list, offer, copy. So right. you have to get, and, and you know, from the launch we did together for Titans Accelerator, when I talked about the, that three-legged stool and the 40-40-20 rule and all of that, we always live by that. And if one of the legs is off, it doesn't, it doesn't stand up. And so we'd always kind of dig deep and realize, you know, what, what's missing here? What's missing here? And if we couldn't figure it out, then you, maybe you give up on it. But we didn't give up easily. We were one of those companies that, you know, they always say, hire, hire slow, fire fast. We hired slow and fired slow. Like, you know, we hired slow and then kept people around for 20 years who should have been fired after a year because we were nice guys and we didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And the same was true with some of our products. We left them around too long. But the ones that we really dug deep and 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 figured it out, figured the puzzle of that of that of that product out were our biggest winners ever. Totally. Brian, what was, what, what was oh, the environment like? Like, what was boardroom like? Like, what were the offices like? Did you have cubicles? Did you have a like a big room that y'all gathered in? Like, Certain how, areas how did you had guys work? Pens. Yeah, the 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 um the 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 art and design when they used to do you know art on boards, all of that was in a bullpen format. Now the executives did have offices, but out right outside, open door policy all the time. Big, big, all different ball pens of of employees, and um, there was um, kind of a, an energy in the office. I mean, when, I don't know if, if boardroom in its heyday would have survived COVID. I, I don't know because you know you hear about certain businesses that most businesses have survived COVID fairly well. Not 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 the uh, res, not the commercial office space of course, uh, business, right. but the everybody else, but. You know, sometimes it's a kind of company where walking down the hallway and 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 you know it, it was you hear the stories about the companies that have these little mini meetings all over the and now you have these you know workstations of multiple people. We didn't have that, but we had people passing each other in the hallway, asking asking for ideas in and out of offices. 
So there was, and we had creative meetings that were legendary, you know, with a big whiteboard and just everybody, you know, while, while I learned that there were no bad ideas in a brainstorming meeting, um, I actually know there are because they're really bad <laughs> ideas, but, but you have to be polite and all of that. But I, I learned the idea of a parking lot that, you know, that, that you have to have parking lots of ideas, which is a, sometimes it's a way of saying bad idea, shut up. But a lot of times it's an idea that's, you know, there are two times now and not now. And that's a not now, but it's a good idea. And so just little things like that, that we, we didn't innovate it. I mean, it was done elsewhere, but we, we kind of like took in everything that was that that made the environment buzz. And and it, and there was some, you know, there was some uh, there was some friction in that environment. I mean, nothing was it wasn't all well, it's a creative environment. I would imagine there has to be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, you it, know, it was it was a very creative environment. Now, what, did you have a special room for the copywriters that you delivered food two, three times a day? Like dimly coffee, lit? vodka. What? How'd that? Yeah, work? no, like, the copywriters were all offsite. Basically, we okay. We bought our. I mean, that was one of the things that I think made made us so successful is that, although Agora would say Agora <laughs> Publishing, they would say that creating an in-house copy team is what made them successful. And I think we might uh, be more successful if we if we trained and and created our own copy team. But we didn't have the internal staff to train them, whereas Agora has people like Mark Ford and Bill Bonner, who are, are senior people in the company who are copywriters. So that made a big difference for them. But the beauty of, of buying your copy, you want to buy everything a la carte in direct marketing. You know, you don't want to have a price fixed dinner because a copyright, and that's why you don't, we never went to an agency. Right. An agency would be like, you know, why would you want a copywriter working in an agency that has a, that's working on salary? I want a copywriter who's hungry, who wants a royalty for a control. And that's just the, the, the tip of the iceberg of, of this issue of buying a la carte. But you want the, getting the best of the best. You're not going to get them working in. They, they need to be they need to be killing what they eat. They, they need to be they, they're eating what they kill and yep. we're eating what we kill. And that's what, you know, we, you, you have to have, it's not survival mentality, but right. they, they don't get paid unless they yeah. write great copy and they know how to write great copy because they need to get paid. Hey listeners, it's Bob. And I hope you're enjoying our conversation with Mr. Brian Kurtz, who was one of the executives of the very infamous boardroom direct marketing company. You know, Brian wrote a book called Over Deliver. Uh, Over Deliver is really a culmination of everything that he's learned over his four decade career. It is some of his, it's it's all of his best work compiled into one book. And you can get that book by going, of course, to your favorite online bookseller, but also briankurtz.net. Uh, you can not only uh, get the book there, but you also get on his blog. We would encourage you to do that. Brian is somebody that is going to help you grow as a marketer, uh, someone is, who's going to help you succeed as an entrepreneur. So head over to briankurtz.net, get yourself a copy of Over Deliver. Uh, you'll thank me for it. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brendan Boyd. Yeah, I, I had a chance to do some consulting for Stansbury Research. So we got to go to the mansion and it was kind of like explained how the best copywriters are in the upper floors and, you know, the junior copywriters on the, you know, they had the, like you had to work your way up 
to the top, literally within the good offices and things like that. So it was very interesting. Yeah, they're a member of my mastermind. And I, I spoke at, to their copy team, the whole team from all floors. And it was a great, I mean, that was, I mean, I was doing a presentation and they just, they nailed me on a bunch of stuff. They, and in fact, mm. they said, they said to me, what was, what was your biggest regret at boardroom? And I hadn't thought about that too much because, you know, you don't think about that as much as the successes. And I had two. One was not developing a copy team, but I didn't, I know we couldn't have done it with the staff we had. But the other thing was that we never did an Ascension model because we didn't really, you know, we Hmm. we basically sold a billion dollars worth of newsletters and books, $39 at a time. Wow. Now there was a lot of (laughs) cross-sell, upsell. There was contact strategy. You buy this and then you get, you know, an automatic mailing of a, a second product that was a like product. So there was continuity and there was subscription and renewals and there was uh, advanced consent marketing for our books so that you get automatically shipped the second book after you bought the first one. So there was continuous service as it were. So, but we didn't have Ascension. Everything was like $39. Wow. And in today's wow. marketing environment, it's like, it's like, you know, that would be, that would be, that's a death knell. Death knell, absolutely. But interestingly, when I left Boardroom and I started Titans, the first thing I did, I did a descension model. (laughs) And that's the advantage. I had 34 years of relationship capital. What did I have? Yes. As as, as Jay Abraham says, get everything you can out of all you got. So I had had just come off the Titans of Direct Response event, kind of me in the spotlight um, with all the best direct marketers. I had relationship capital for 34 years. I launched a Titans mastermind. That was the first thing I did. A $20,000 mastermind was my first product. Yeah. Because I got 23 people to sign up and I had it going in six months. And that was the, the foundation of my business. After that, I did a descension model. I did a lower price mastermind. I did a lower price mastermind than that. That's Titans Accelerator. I started selling books like Breakthrough Advertising for $125. I do boot camps for $97. They came after the $20,000 <laughs> mastermind. So depending on where you are in your career and your life, it doesn't always have to be an Ascension model. Mm. Brian, do you, do you have a story about a promotion you did that absolutely shocked you in the sense that, you know, I, I love, again, this goes back to the, the attraction of marketing is, you know, you can get married to your darlings and you think, oh, this is going to work the list, you know, the, the book of secrets, and they're going to eat this up and flatline. Do you have a, a story of maybe you either thought it was going <coughs> to absolutely bomb and it did great or it did great and it, you thought it was going to be great, it was going to bomb, but there's something that surprised you uh, that was completely you know, it, maybe it, off the norm? Yeah, it, it, it wasn't a complete surprise because I predicted it but everybody else in the company were really scared about it. And so I got to prove everybody wrong for a, 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 a and I, it was all my own gut. And so we, we were doing for, to launch a new book, we would do these questionnaire tests, concept tests, where we'd send, we'd send out blurbs, you know, to our best customers, six products. Would you buy, would you not buy with a blurb that mirrored the product? And, um, you know, they were very accurate. They, they certainly weeded out books we didn't want to do easily. And it's sort of the best ones rose to the top. There was a, uh, so I got a, um, 
I, I was approached by a copywriter, Jim Punkry, a top health copywriter. And he had started a business in um, diabetes health. And he said, Brian, I have this book. It's the, uh, the uh, you know, the, the diabetes, you know, health system or something, diabetes self-management, whatever it was. And not only do I have a book, but I have a promotion piece that I wrote for it, but he's, he, I don't have an infrastructure. I don't have, I don't, I don't know lists like you do. I don't know, you know, I've got, but I'm giving you a product and a promotion. Jim is with one of the top copywriters at Rodale Press, the top health publisher. And everybody in the company says, well, you have to cue test it. You have to questionnaire test it. And I said, well, this time's of the essence here. You, we've got to get this in the mail because we, you know, he's going to shop it elsewhere by doing a cue test. We have to wait a few months. We have to, I say, we go with it. And I started doing some research and I realized that diabetes was, and it still is, it's a, it's a horizontal vertical. It's a vertical in health, diabetes, a health mm -hmm. ailment, but it's a horizontal because it, it permeates the society. I mean, you know, it's an epidemic in the U.S. and it still mm. is, including pre-diabetic diabetes as well. So I think it wasn't that I didn't know it was going to work or that it was going to bomb, but I had to suspend judgment without any proof that our audience was. But I had enough, I had enough anecdotal evidence. We had done articles on diabetes on the front page of our health newsletter. We knew that it was, we had a 55 plus audience. We knew that diabetes was an issue for them. And I knew that Jim Punkry's creative was as good as I'm going to get. Like I, he's one of the world-class copywriters in this field. So there were enough indicators that I knew that it would be, it had a good chance of winning without the research in advance. And it be and and Dan Dan Kennedy always used to like me telling this story because it it violated it because Dan likes to go from his gut too, and he loved that we how we came to launch the the uh, it was a ninety day diabetes cure was the um, was the title of the book, and it was uh, a huge success, wow. one of our biggest book successes in a vertical horizontal vertical, but it was more in a vertical, not a horizontal vertical. Got to write that down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's I did a blog post, the horizontal vertical. <laughs> I'm sh I'm sure you've done a blog post on most of the things you talked about. I but know. So it, it was like when you said, do I have a story that I haven't told? You know, I, I've been writing this blog post every week for eight years. I mean, that's a lot of, I, I don't have that. I mean, I, I, you know, my my experience still has some finite, something finite to it, I guess. <laughs> I've kind of, I'm, I'm trying to tease out any just kind of, is there a, is there a comedy aspect? I, I want to see if I can get another story out of you. It, there doesn't have to be any life lessons to it, but so we know that there was creative tension at times. We know there's this lovely, this lovely risk factor, which I think was what all entrepreneurs and marketers kind of thrive on is like the what if and what's going right. to happen when this drops. Anything just absolutely hysterical that would happen. The office doesn't have to be anything work related, but anything in the environment that when you're made a fond memory that it, a comedy. Yeah, okay. I, it, you know, I, the, the, the questions like this should have been given to me in advance. So I, I <laughs> oh, my, my, my brain is fried. I do. Oh, so, okay. All right. No, well, that's okay. I'm not blaming minute. you. Not there, blaming there, you. We there, want there, it to be an, there's an, a point an, to uh, it. I want to see what comes up just on the spur. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, 
So we we had um, these legendary creative meetings. So it's a whiteboard. Everybody's in the room. We're rattling off ideas. And we had this book called The Book of Inside Information, which was um, a greatest hits of our, our newsletters, consumer newsletter. Great. The copy was ingenious with fascinations with the page numbers and just amazing book. We sold 3 million copies, hardcover books, indirect mail only. That's, <laughs> that's not easy to do. Wow. $39 at a time, of course. Right. Wow. But, you know, I mean, talk about New York Times bestseller. Who gives a shit, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, it, it, and it wasn't in bookstores. It's, all, it's at some garage sales in certain places. <laughs> so we're sitting in the creative meeting and someone says, man, we should do a burst on the outer envelope that says over 3 million copies sold. And I said, and I thought about it and I said, I don't know if that's a good idea because if it's really inside information and 2,999,999 people have already read it, that's going to be, because it was like, so, so then, then so I, I came up with a different burst that we didn't use, which was 3 million copies sold. Only six or seven have actually been read. <laughs> But that was that was in the spirit of this idea that we could slice. We said slice the salami so many different ways. So in a general consumer book, you had health information, and we would have a health book that would take some of that and put it in the, and talk about reruns with a purpose. It wasn't like we were trying to rip people off because people were buying both books, but they might not get it in. They might not be looking for it in a health book. They might not look for it in, in a general consumer book. So we 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 justified it that way. But you know, good content is good content, and you know, the idea of reusing it and repurposing it was one of the geniuses of Boardroom. And not that we just, you know, did one book and then sent another book that was the same and titled it differently and sold it to the same people. We didn't do that. But there was a, a way to slice the salami, as we called it. And also with different promotion, different fascinations to the same piece of content. Mm -hmm. So all of that was all wrapped up in, in what we did and what we were doing. Lovely. All right. Thank you for that. So in our final minutes here, uh, we'd like to do something called the 60 second rant, Brian. So this is where you can unleash about anything. Could be marketing, could be food, could be the shoes you bought last week that don't fit right. Is there, this is where we get to know you a little bit about your, your, your things that you prefer. And, and do you have something you can just go? Just give me um, something. Well, I, I did. A, I did a um, um, a video, a, a, like a webinar video with uh, John Carlton and Perry Marshall. And Perry has his whole the what defines a rant and how you go about a rant. <laughs> ah. And when they called me, uh, when Perry Perry called me, he says, Brian, I want I want you to come on a on a on a webinar with me on how to create a successful rant. And I said, why would you want me? I'm like the nicest guy in direct marketing. I don't rant. Exactly. And then I realized that, you know, the rant, you don't have to be angry to rant. Right. Um, yeah. Because I'm not really an angry person, but I do rant on things like nomenclature and, 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 and naming things. So, you know, the one that I've talked about in the past is the idea of, you know, a tripwire as something that's, a, you know, so that, you know, I always wondered, like, why would you want to blow up your best customers, <laughs> your best potential customers? And it's not like it's not semantics either, because I think my rant is that when you start saying something and you start believing it, then you start getting into. I mean, I, I don't I don't I don't I don't begrudge Dan Kennedy when he calls his group a herd. I prefer online family, but, you know, whatever. 
But the idea that the more you say it, the more it becomes it, and the more that then lists are not people anymore. Mm. And so I always go with lists are people too. You have to always recognize that. And so anytime anybody is off that track is when I, ah, my rants are, are, are more timid, believe me. But I really, and I basically took it to another, I said, you know, if you, if you think about it, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get someone to come into my universe, but if I blow them up, it's not going to work. <laughs> it, they, they can't buy if they're dead. I mean, it was just so obvious. So that would be a version of a ramp that can go on in the internet marketing world. Like I, in, in internet marketing world, I hate how some internet marketers define reciprocity. You know, and we talked about that a little bit already, but yeah. the idea that, you know, if I do a, a reciprocal deal with you and I get a hundred orders and you get 50, I have to mail again to get you 50 more. No, you got a hundred good ones from my list. You got 50, he got 50 good ones from, from, I got 50 from your list. You got a hundred from my list. They're all good leads. Go for it. Go off, go forth and multiply. Right. Don't, don't start trying to like, and that's the idea of matching that just repulses me. You know, the you idea go. that everything has to be an equal match. That's why I've never used the term, I'll meet you halfway. I don't meet anybody <laughs> halfway. It's 100-0 for me. Now, that's, as you said, Brandon, sometimes you get burned with that. But you know what? If I, if I give you 80, you give me 20, and my, the 20 you gave me is awesome, we're even. We're even. So it's not a rant, but it is something that I say. And again, it's, a, it, it's still tied up in a, abundance versus scarcity mindset, you know, it's, it's tied up in a little bit of greed and a little bit of, you know, I've got to, I've got to suck every dollar out of every customer, out of every situation, out of every negotiation at boardroom. They used to say I was the sucker negotiator. You know, I would, I would give (laughs) up a lot more than they would. I don't think it's hurt me in the long run. It hurt me on certain deals. It hurt me. It's hurt me when I, you know, in my new business, but what is hurt? I mean, right. I'm, I'm here. I'm alive. Um, I survived a near fatal stroke. I'm, um, you know, um, I'm, I'm, you know, what else is there? Right. So, yeah, you, you've got that attitude. Like, yeah, I've survived enough. Like I'm still here. Yeah. What, what do I, what do I have to lose at this point? Right. And, it, it, but I'm not gonna, I mean, I don't want to give away the store every time I'm not a total sucker, but you know what? <laughs> it, it's just not worth, some things are just not worth fighting for. Yeah. Well, Brian, it's been a pleasure. Brandon and I both consider you an OG and a mentor. Absolutely. Your books. That made my day. Your, that made my your, day. Your books and your, and your blog posts. I, I, people really need to go to briankurtz.net. Get, get, on, get in Brian's online family. And I promise you, he doesn't abuse you. You, you, you get one email a week to remind you about what he's written. And uh, of course, we'll, we'll remind you again of all the resources. But briankurtz.net, get get on Brian's list, read his blogs. I, I think you'll be a better person for it. Brian, thank, thank you, you so much that. for thank, thank you, th- Brian. Th- yeah. Thanks for taking time out today, Brian. And I know if you haven't heard of Brian Kurtz before, you've just become a fan and uh, you're welcome <laughs> for uh, allowing yes. us to introduce you to him. So Brian, thank you. Uh, go go umpire that game. Yeah, and- good luck with the podcast, guys. I mean, you guys, you guys will rock it. Yeah, I appreciate that, Brian. All right. Take care. Have a great one. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. See ya. Thank you for listening to The Innovative Founder with Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd, a show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs. 
making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder. 